Welcome to another episode of Gyno Girl. Is this the part where we should just start chanting vagina? Vagina! Vagina! In this episode, we're going to get a little meta and listen to the recording from my recent presentation on the practice that is Gyno Girl. And to begin, let's listen to a clip from the documentary The Punk Singer. Somebody had to be Bikini Kill. Like, it had to happen or else we would all have starved to death culturally. It had to happen, and there they were. Girls to the front. That is the thing that never happened before. Men could be in the room, but men could never dominate the room. It was a flip of the script that blew people's minds. All of that incredibly rich stuff that made punk what it was had just been tamped down by the boy mosh pit, you know? Right when Bikini Kill started, right when grunge was like going off the hook, right when Nirvana was exploding, it was a wild scene. And it was very physical, violent, like all the moshing and all that stuff. These young women who, want, who wanted to be a part of the scene, like physically wanted to go to these shows, wanted to get into this punk rock scene. We physically were getting shoved. Sick to death for going to gigs and coming back with bruises and broken ribs. It's not fair because lads get everything, yeah? They're allowed to what they want and we have to stand in the background. The problem with our shows a lot of the times, a lot of the guys will get really out of control and start like beating everybody up. The more girls up front, the better. And if anybody is fucking with you at this show because of certain reasons and you need to come up front, come up front and sit on the stage and get away from them and let us know because it shouldn't just be one person in the crowd's responsibility to deal with fuckers. Every show we played was like a war. Guys were trying to be a zap and stuff, you know, like it was really violent and we just play these crazy places like, uh, you know, bowling alleys, and they cram like 600 people in there and stuff, you know, no security. We went on Girls and Stand at the front of our shows a lot of times just because we needed to be protected. You're getting quiet probably because you're noticing we're walking around and setting things up. Hi, everybody. I'm Jeremy Cushman. I am a professor in the English department. I have had the pleasure of being able to work for a year on this project, Rosa and I. By way of introduction, let me just say that I have learned so much from working both with audio in this particular way, working with what you'll hear about this thing called new materialism, and then of course, just the, the ways in which young women have to think about things that growing up in this body, I didn't have to think about. So we had these powerful conversations in my office and everywhere else and through email for the last year that have really, really moved me and so I'm really excited for you to get, you to, get to hear it too. And so, that said, please welcome Rosa Tobin. Okay, hi everybody. Thanks for coming. So, you know, when I chose to do a podcast, I 
was choosing to do a podcast in the hopes that I would not have to do something like this and stand up and speak in person in front of you all. And look, here we all are. So great. Um, but the more I was thinking about it, I have basically spent this whole past year trying to get people stuck in a room with me to listen to me talk about podcasts like for half an hour on end. So basically, this is perfect because now it's awkward if y'all leave. So... <laughs> Bomb. Okay, so to set the scene for this big old project, it's actually best if I start with a couple of stories. Recently, my friend and I went to hear Roxanne Gay speak, and as we traveled to the show, our conversation turned to gender and sexuality, as is often the case when you're beyond excited to hear an influential artist and queer woman of color speak. My friend went to say something along the lines of, it's like I have a vagina. Get over it. And just like I did just now, she whispered the word vagina. I couldn't help but chuckle. It's something that felt all too familiar, even though it was just the two of us in the car whispering our bodies like they're dirty words, like the reality of their existence is offensive to those around us. Barbara King Solver challenges how society uses words like dirty to stigmatize matter. Our words for unhealthy contamination, soiled or dirty, suggest that if we really knew the number one ingredient in our gardens, we would all head straight into therapy. We're like petulant teenagers rejecting our mother. We know we came out of her, but ew. <laughs> all right, story two. At the beginning of the year, my project advisor, Jeremy, asked me what theoretically seems to be the easiest, most straightforward question to answer. What is Gyno Girl doing? And I, being the fabulous student that I am, turned and responded by asking, have you ever seen The Punk Singer? Y'all just saw a bit of the documentary The Punk Singer on Kathleen Hanna and the punk group Bikini Kill. And at the time, and still today, the best way I can describe what I'm doing with Gyno Girl is by pointing to Kathleen Hanna's Girls to the Front movement. The punk scene of the early 90s was a violent one, with moshing and misogyny. There was no space for female participation. So when Kathleen Hanna took the stage with Bikini Kill, she made a point to vocally say, women to the front, creating space for those bodies and for that matter to exist and be present in that space. These stories might seem unrelated, and to some degree, they are. But they both underpin, or better, illustrate what my honors project is all about and the ways in which I hope it continues to grow. Gyno Girl is a women's health podcast produced with the aim to sim simultaneously stimulate and destigmatize open dialogue on women's health. Podcasting as a medium creates a space for practicing this open dialogue. I want women to hear other women talking about women's health. I want women to be walking around in public, riding the bus, hearing other women's voices in their ears, in their bodies, openly sharing their experiences about getting a pap smear, about having their boyfriend stick their ring up into their vagina because their fingers are too short, or just talking about how they got the birth control shot in their butt. Each episode of Gyno Girl, then, is a space for women's voices and experiences to be heard. And rather than sitting and listening to a lecture, it's as if listeners are joining in a conversation. 
For example, in the pap smear episode, listeners hear the voices of at least nine women. These women share their experiences with their first pap smear exams. And instead of these experiences being presented as individually isolated examples, these voices and experiences are overlapping and weaving into one another, which opens the dialogue for women's health and invites listeners to join in. Um, I guess one of the funny things too is like when I think about prepping, you know, it's like there's the pain factor and then I'm like, what are they going to think when they look at my Because I did, I went through that too. I was like, all right, I'm taking off my panties for this person. They're going to see like everything I got. All right. Exactly. But I also made a comment, I think, to my nurse about that. I was like, all right, well, I'm taking off my panties for you. You know, trying to make a joke. And she was like, honey, you just need to remember we've seen it all. I had anxiety. I think that was also it. Like, do I need to shave? Do I need to trim? I think for me, it wasn't really, I wasn't worried about like the shaving, but just like the cleanliness because like I don't shower every day and I'm remembering now I rode my bike. I don't know. There's like juices that your vagina produces. I was like, oh, like hopefully that's not too gross. I was kind of like, well, she's probably seen worse. I guess that was my thought. I guess I almost was thinking the opposite. Like, if I shave, is my doctor gonna judge me? Oh, she's one of those young women that conform to social standards of pubic body. I was thinking along those lines, like, if I do shave, she might think, oh, she's probably just shaving for her boyfriend. I went into it like with what I would just normally do for myself. I prefer to have hair, so the doctor's gonna see hair. Because I was like, this is silly. I'm not prepping my vagina for my doctor. So, Relatively quickly, what I want to do here is to try to explain the ways this project has pushed me to reflexively reframe so much about the ways I tend to approach scholarship. That is, I'll talk about the differing practices this medium pushed toward. Then I hope to tell you about the ways this project has worked as a kind of gathering, helping others connect up in new and exciting relationships. So now we get to talk about practice, which is my absolute favorite thing to talk about, and we won't dive too deeply into here. But I do want to just say before we get into it, you know, it's not a linear argument. Nothing about this presentation is a linear argument. I don't have a thesis or some overarching answer or message I'm trying to get across here that's that cohesive. So as you're listening, if there's something that sticks out to you and you're stuck on that for five minutes, let yourself be stuck on that. Let yourself just sit here with the material, whatever that may be and whatever that emerges to be for you. Podcasting as a medium provides marginalized people with a space where their voices can be heard. Despite the fact that in 2013, men hosted 70% of the world's 100 most popular podcasts, podcasting with its low barriers to entry and opportunities for experimentation has been a much anticipated space for media democratization since the early 2000s. It has the ability to elevate voices of people often left out of traditional print and broadcast journalism. These elevated voices include women. Since the dawn of radio, women have worked behind the scenes as producers, editors, and researchers, but recently women are finally becoming visible, or audible, in hosting roles. Alex Spiegel of Invisibilia states, and I quote, we got the skills and then we decided, fuck it, basically. We just decided we can do this. The concept for Gyno Girl started forming after my 21st birthday when my mother told me it was time to get a pap smear or 
Was it when I experienced my first menstrual cycle, I was alone in the downstairs bathroom, staring at my blood-soaked underwear, and being the age of landlines, I used one of our portable house phones to, well, phone home. Desperately willing my mother, who was upstairs talking to one of my teenage male cousins, to answer. Rosa, I'm sure the cat's doing something very cute, but I'm talking with Michael right now, so you can just bring the cat upstairs. <laughs> or was it when I was younger than 11 years old and stood in front of the bathroom mirror, pushed in my left nipple, and then spent the next several years believing I'd caused the little pucker at its tip, believing I'd caused it, and it was something that was wrong with my body and my health, I spent the next several years believing this because it was a better option than telling someone I'd been young and curious and engaged the presence of my body. The point is that this project emerged with the ever-changing and entangling relationship most women have with materiality, particularly our own bodies. To quote Jane Bennett, who wrote a book called Vibrant Materialism, A Political Ecology of Things, Vital materiality better captures an alien quality of our own flesh, and in so doing reminds humans of the very radical character of the fractious kinship between the human and the non-human. My own body is material, and yet this vital materiality is not fully or exclusively human. The crook of my elbow, for example, is a special ecosystem, a bountiful home to no fewer than six tribes of bacteria. In a world of vibrant matter, it is thus not enough to say that we are embodied, but rather we are an array of bodies. And podcasting creates a space for these arrays of bodies to be acknowledged and present. To a certain extent, over the past several years, I've tried to separate myself from my body. And in doing so, I found myself with numerous unanswered questions about my body and health and deeply rooted anxiety regarding my body. Okay, now some of you may be thinking, deeply rooted anxiety? I mean, what does that even mean? Aren't you being a tad dramatic? You know, I get it. That's a refrain that I've been telling myself and that's been cycling through my own brain for years, discrediting the growing disconnect I felt with my body. Though in all honesty, the weight of carrying the belief that somehow my vagina is wrong, whether that's the hair, the shape, the scent, the discharge, whatever, that weight is real. And you know, I actually stopped writing this presentation at this point and said out loud, this is a really weird thing to be saying at an honors thesis presentation. <laughs> but my goodness, this, this is part of my practice and so much at the heart of why I'm doing this project. So podcasting is an audio-based medium that provides space for conversations and marginalized voices to be heard. Great. That's all fine and dandy, but there's more to it. Podcasting engages both the body and mind in non-dichotomous ways. I mean this in the sense that the mind-body dichotomy that's been presented throughout the ages is a false dichotomy, and podcasting engages it as such. Communication scholar Lisbeth Lapari writes, 
the Euro-American philosophical tradition has tended to separate mind and body, thought and emotion, but as recent advances in neuroscience and biology are demonstrating, such separation is an illusion. Mind and body are deeply interconnected, if they are even two things at all. So following this idea, what if our ears aren't really in our heads, but our whole body? What if our entire body is one giant listening organ, one great resonating chamber? So when we listen, our bodies vibrate with the sound waves pulsing towards and then through us. What Lisbeth is saying is huge. It's a recognition of the vital materiality we discussed earlier. It's a recognition of the power in listening. But that doesn't mean I had to engage this practice for Gyno Girl. I guess I could have practiced another medium for this project. Probably it would be easier. Probably you should write an article instead of a podcast because they're very long to listen to. Um, <laughs> if you wrote an article, I know it's so sad. I do love the podcasts. I do. So many people listen to them, like when they're cleaning and everything. It's good. I love you, Mom. <laughs> but the podcasting medium is essential for Gyno Girl. Through podcasting, as sound studies scholars Comstock and Hawk state, through the materiality and movement of voice, boundaries between nature and culture, exterior and interior, public and private, all become permeable. The kind of writing I'm participating in here, the kind of writing rhetorical theorist Casey Boyle describes as an ontological act, is a different practice than writing an essay. I was freaked out. Like, I had just read so many... I, I don't know if everyone does this. This is probably, like, why you're making this podcast, maybe to help people from doing this, but... Reading online. Yeah, just reading the online things about, like, this is more painful than childbirth. This is more painful than every tattoo you'll ever get. Like, <laughs> more painful than waxing. All these things it's that so says it's true. more painful. Yeah. And I was like, damn, so this is, like, the most painful thing I'll ever experience, essentially. <laughs> um... Well, okay, so but the thing for me was, like, it wasn't painful when I got it done. Was it like that for you, too? When I podcast, like Boyle says, I enact a sense of myself as a being in the world. When writing is practiced as an act of being, it opens up possibilities, a writing not only as a way of being, but as a way of becoming. What this means to me is that we can read the word vagina all day long, but when it comes time to actually say those words, well, it's not a part of our practice. It's uncomfortable. We whisper them. As Gyno Girl shows, there are real impacts to that discomfort. Podcasting as a practice of writing is also a practice of being. When I record these conversations and weave these experiences of voices together for a podcast, that practice emerges alongside the practice of me standing in front of you today and openly talking about women's reproductive health. The structure of the podcast creates a space for these topics to be engaged as the entanglement that they are. They are not a linear argument. I do not start each episode with a thesis. They are conversations, explorations. They are dialogue between many people, a dialogue that has been missing. This is not something that can be recreated through writing as text. Where would be the voices? 
where would be the bodies? Podcasting becomes part of people's practice as they walk to and from class, as they ride the bus. They can listen to their bodies. Their bodies can listen to women saying things like... When I first started getting this shot, they did it in my hip, like right above my butt. So it was kind of really awkward. <laughs> like going to the nurse and like bend over the table and they'd like put a shot like in my butt. But now they do it in the arm. So that's a lot better yeah it was like one month i came and they're like so we don't do it in the hip anymore we do it in the arm i was like that's cool <laughs> thank you here again through the materiality and movement of voice boundaries between that nature and culture that exterior and interior public and private are all becoming permeable these voices become a part of our practice and as our practice changes to include our bodies the discomfort with recognizing our bodies begins to ebb the voices gather us from a place of isolation into conversation. Okay, this is a great place to talk about relationships. I was talking with my dad on the phone just a few weeks before this presentation and expressed to him the element I was most anxious about, which was sharing some of my personal experiences, like the ones you've already heard, with you. And he told me, you know, you don't have to share everything. You can protect yourself. And thank you, Dad. Those are the words I really wanted to hear right then, and they're still such comforting words. But as I got to thinking about it, I asked myself the question, protect myself from what? The presentation is part of the practice that's emerged with Gyno Girl. With the years came more misconceptions, like believing I could not pee with my tampon in. That is a lot of extra money spent on tampons, folks. Shout out to my roommate during my freshman year of college and Orange is the New Black for teaching me how to get more bang for my buck when it comes to tampons. <laughs> I really love that you all are laughing right now. This, honestly, I sat down in Jeremy's office before the presentation. I was like, there's one piece of audio that I'm really holding back on. And he's like, what's that? I'm like, I feel like I need to share it, but it's the one I honestly felt and still feel the most shame around. And that's this little piece of audio. And that's coming from someone that recorded the audio of herself getting a pap smear. So they had a lot of anxiety around this clip. And I believe the reason why I had anxiety around this is I had shame that I didn't know my own anatomy. And so when I asked myself, protect myself from what, it was the conversation of my roommate starting to talk to me, someone who hadn't had open dialogue on women's health, opening that conversation that did protect me as soon as I started to learn about my own body. So in production, Gyno Girl emerges through asking questions, asking all the questions I've had or didn't even know I had but didn't think were appropriate to ask. I get to ask women to share their experiences with women's health, and these women often refer me to other women or propose new questions and ideas. It's a network that grows out of curiosity and conversation. Publicly discussing my own reproductive health over the past year has led to a lot of really wonderful new conversations and people continuously sharing with me about their own women's or reproductive health adventures. So, for example, I get texts 
like every other like few months now like these, where they just come out of nowhere, people that have never talked to me about women's health before, family members, friends, asking about talking about the Paragard IUD or getting a pap smear. And folks reaching out to tell me about their annual exam appointments, all of this, this conversation has come around through this open dialogue. You know what's joy? Reading a post on Facebook from a gal who at the point I maybe talked to once, publicly asking her friends to provide her with more information about different types of birth control. Rad already, right? Well, it gets radder. I ended up commenting on the post, something I would not have done a year ago, and I ended up commenting about the non-hormonal IUD, intrauterine device, also known as the Paragard. I also brought other friends into the conversation, women that I knew would be open to talking about their reproductive health experiences, and I only knew that through the practice of GynoGirl and through the practice that's emerged with GynoGirl. This gal who'd made the post originally then proceeded to privately message me for weeks, asking about different types of birth control and specifically the IUD. I had the opportunity to be a part of her pre and post process of choosing a new method of birth control. She messaged me as soon as she set the IUD appointment for insertion and the day after she'd gotten it in, and several days later to ask questions about the recovery process. Honestly, maybe this doesn't jazz you, but damn, I get so jazzed talking about it. Honestly, and to conclude, I convinced myself that it was really weird for me to have the questions I'd had and that I should feel embarrassed or ashamed for having them, which all really affected my relationship with my body. It's like gyno girl, this practice, these relationships have been a long sustained moment of recognizing and acknowledging the existence of my body. I don't mean this in some silly, overly profound way that's meant to play up some unending hardship I've gone through. So please don't let that be the takeaway because that's not what I'm trying to say here. But that said, I do really want to emphasize that this matter this isn't nothing. Thanks for listening to another episode of Gyno Girl. And can I just take a moment to say thank you to everyone that has been a part of this project, this podcast, this practice, in whatever form that may have taken. You all are so empowering. I am so grateful and appreciative of you. There's a lot of Gyno Girl ahead, and I so look forward to continuing on this conversation with you all and all the new folks and experiences along the way. So keep listening and keep joining the conversation. I am truly filled to the brim. Cheers. Thanks for sharing this time with us. This is Thank so enlightening. So as a father of two daughters, and my wife and I going through all of this. She's, one is 14, one is 11. This is so empowering to think about us being able to just go on the podcast and listen to conversations, and you, you gave me a lot to think about. Thank you, you so more much. More than you know. More than you know. I didn't say this, but I was thinking there's most certainly a moment in the last three months where even it was four was asking questions, and I 
I was like, oh my god, like I have to say the real words out loud to her because it's like setting that example. And I thought I had way more time, but no, yeah, it starts already. Do one on menopause. Yeah. Bring us all ladies into the conversation. Can I do menopause? Yes. I would love to do that. Everyone <laughs> in perimenopause. Well, would people talk to me? I, I, yes. Would I'm going to, to bring yes? you a present. And it's a picture of my uterus when I got it out. Oh, oh my God. Why didn't you, you do that? Picture? Yeah. And then I could oh, take a wow, photo wow, so I could wow. keep it. Yeah. yeah. I'll make a. Yeah. Yeah. But seriously, wow. like, that Bring should be just. I want to do it. Yeah. That yeah. should be my next one. So. <laughs> Look at this. It's going to happen. Menopause. <laughs> this is what happens. I love it I so much. Women's health is so much. Women's health is women's health. Women's health is women's health in total. In total.